You are listening to Sick Biz Buzz with me, Hillary Jastrom. Welcome back to Sick Biz Buzz, the sickest podcast empowering chronically ill and disabled entrepreneurs and the only podcast of its kind. Before we leap into the solo show today, which gets us back on track, we had another little hiatus. And I want to talk about that for a minute and just send out love and encouragement to people who might be going through the same thing. What had happened was, as they say, is um, we were going along at a really great clip, but it's hard to keep moving. It's hard to be consistent sometimes when you have a chronic illness. And um, we also got the flu here in our household, and that put me down hard. There's a lot of prep, probably more prep than you might anticipate that goes into the show. And I was just feeling like I didn't have any reserves left. And so I pulled the plug again. But in working with Robert, our producer, we now have a really good plan, which is awesome. And it enables me to continue to do the show, which I love to do the show. I absolutely love doing the show. I hear that the show helps people. And so it takes it from a love into something that I need to do so I can help other people. And I'm, I'm just really glad to be back. So anytime we've had a hiatus in the past, it's, it's never been something that I've approached or welcomed with open arms and enjoyment. I've missed doing the show every single time. So a message to you if you're fighting this, if you're fighting trying to find the typical grind mentality and like, go, 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 reach in deep and, and come up with something. You know, it's not that way when you're chronically ill and or disabled. It's not that way. Every day is different. Every moment to moment can be different. Even when you're being your best self, you're doing everything that you possibly can to minimize pain and hurt and these obstacles to working um, you can take a wrong turn with your diet accidentally or dentally if <laughs> I just made that word up. Um, but you can do that because you're a human being or, you know, you, you maybe have a surge of hormones or you maybe have no hormones or you could be tired or stressed. Uh, you might have a confrontation with somebody and that'll tap you. And like I said, we had the flu over here for like two weeks. And it really tested us. So I'm so glad to be back. And we have a new paid sponsor that we're going to be exploring a relationship with. I haven't decided if this is the way to go. But in any regard, we have our regular sponsors, and that's pretty exciting. So I just wanted you to hear that today. Somebody always needs to hear the message that if you're not doing what it looks like other people are doing out there, that's actually okay. We're here to find our own path. We're here to find our own way. We have individual milestones. We have individual journeys, sojourns, souls, sojourns, especially if you're working for yourself. It's all deeply interconnected. So love yourself today, damn it, okay? No matter what that looks like. Maybe it looks like you got to take a nap later. It's not a failure to have to take a nap. It's not a failure when you start over. It's important to provide that base of self-love for yourself. So I just wanted to tell you that, give you some encouragement. And now let's jump into a little housekeeping. I want to acknowledge our ever-present sponsor, J-Hill Marketing, and their editing house division. Bookmark enables you to keep your copyright without sacrificing the professional execution of the big publishing houses, since they use the same software as the giants in the industry. And because they are an editing house and not a publisher, they publish your work for a significant cost savings, which they pass right along to you helping authors everywhere get published. That's Bookmark's motto. To learn more about writing your own book, head over 
to jhillmark.com slash bookmark. That's jhill with two L's. Today's show is one I should have done a long time ago, and life is like that. You look back and you say, huh, that seems very obvious. Why wouldn't you have chosen that topic? The topic is one I've talked about and fits and starts on various other podcasts where I've been a guest. What in the world does it take to get up and rolling as a chronically ill entrepreneur or a regular old entrepreneur if that's who you are? It's true. There's a formula that I want to share with you. So we're going to be going over the top 10 things that have taken me from zero to profitable. If someone could have handed me this list when I lost my job due to transverse myelitis caused by long-term Lyme disease, I would have been in a better place. But shoulda, coulda, woulda, we're not here for a pity party. I don't RSVP to those very frequently. Let's get cracking on what works so we can improve our quality of life measurably. I want you to know before I leap into the list, I'm not slinging crap. The first thing I had to do when I was drilled all the way down to zero and maybe even less than zero since I had no prospects was figure out how to get money in the door. Once I was over that little hump and knew I could pay my share of the bills, I could better strategize, although there is something to be said about panic strategizing. You do find that energy to keep going because you don't really have any choice, and so it's a special kind of momentum. Anywho, that's what we're going to focus on, these fantastic strategies. So the top 10 business mastery tips to take you from zero to hero and take you to profit and prosperity are... And I'll go through these slowly, obviously. When I was first unemployed, it was January 1st, 2015, I woke up in the morning and I thought, hmm, it was a bittersweet feeling. I was free to do whatever I wanted. I was free to heal. I didn't always have to explain to people, no, I can't come in. No, I can't honor this half-time work-at-home job situation. I was even too sick to do that. I was sleeping 16 hours a day, but I had to do something. One thing I've always known how to do is work. If this is you, if you're hearing this and you're like, yeah, you know what? That's me too. That's an edge, my friend. Okay. So work I did. I, after joining some Facebook groups and poking around and doing some research into copywriting and marketing and how to do it on my own. And to be honest with you, I had built a bit of a company as in like very periodically, I would accept jobs here and there. Maybe it would be like I'm writing five emails for a realtor or something like that. But I had established a company at that point and kind of kept my spoon in the pot, stirring it around. So I had a teeny bit of traction, but literally, I, I don't think it had been like six months since I'd worked, maybe even a year. In any regard, I had started poking around on Facebook trying to figure out what people were doing to be profitable, to be able to work for themselves. I knew it was feasible. The catch was, I didn't know if it was feasible for me. Well, it was about to become feasible for me. In one of the groups I was in, and I can't remember who said this, and I wish I could go back in time and find this person's name, because I don't even know if she's aware how much she helped me. But she posted in there in response to a post that was like, you know, what do I do to get my business going? What's the best tip you can give me? And she said, write emails to 250 people. If you look at your contacts, both in your personal life, you look at your contacts online, on LinkedIn, on Facebook, in your address book, in your emails, your contacts, in your phone, recruiters that you've been in touch with, um, other contractors, marketers, etc., the people in your industry or affiliate fields, if you look at those, you do have 250 people in there. You absolutely do. 
And so that's what I did. I made a long list of people. Some of these people I hadn't talked to in a very long time. It had been, you know, maybe even past a decade. We'd kind of stayed in touch sporadically, but it wasn't anything where I even knew like the number of children they had. It was just kind of, oh, huh, now they're bouncing around over there. Okay, they went to that company, whatever. In any regard, I made that list and then I went through and I wrote emails to those 250 people, connecting with them, reconnecting, and straight out just asking, do you have any work? Do you know of anybody who has any work? This is what's going on. Once you do that, you are going to get some responses. You'll either get responses back from people who say, hey, you know what? Yeah, this is great. I do have work. Your job then is to make it work, to make it work within their budget, to make it work with your time. Sometimes I think we get a little stingy with um, you know, what we're insisting we're going to be paid, particularly at the beginnings of our career when we first launch our business. I was not at all paid well in the beginning, but I was able to work on my time and flat on my back if I needed to and bring money in the door. So I had a monetary goal, reached out to people, started uncovering some of these jobs, and then I was able to pay my bills. That brings us naturally to the next point, which is point number two are the closes. So I like to use a couple, actually, I think there's three here today. I like to use three closes in particular. So if somebody comes to me and says, you know what, I have a job and this is my pain point, I'm ready to roll. If they're ready to roll, I'm ready to roll. All we need to do is the negotiation. And unless they're very, very far off, then the intention is that we are going to work together because I'm willing to sacrifice a little bit financially so that I can make this networking connection, so that I can add this work to my portfolio. And as long as it's not a ridiculous amount, then, and we're close, it's kind of like being at the car dealership. You know, when you're only about a thousand bucks off, each side can give a little. So I think it's very feasible to do that. So the first close that I like to do, and I use these closes to get money in the door, like, like, boom, did you hear me snapping? My snap muscles are not, (laughs) they're not, they're not well conditioned, never have been. I also, for the record, have a very hard time making a whistling noise with a bottle, although I have been working on that this past year. In any regard, the first close is the trial close. This is the close that enables you to say, yeah, you know what? We don't know each other. Okay. And that's okay. It's okay that we don't know each other. We can acknowledge that. I don't know you, sir, Mr. Prospect. I don't know if you're going to pay me. I don't know. Um, I'm hoping you're my ideal customer because I've done enough of that legwork and laid down enough of that foundation to be attracting the ideal customer. But when you just get started, it's a little bit of a crapshoot. The trial close works like this. So you two connect, talk about this is what they need done. Great. I have a solution for you. I want to get going. Okay, perfect. Let's just start working. Let's just start working together, like right away. Send me what you have and what you need. I'm going to take a look at it. We're going to negotiate the cost, and then I'm going to do it, okay? And that's pretty much how it is. So I know what your pain point is, and I'm going to help you solve it. I'm going to be there. I'm going to make it easy for you. We're going to start right away. And it's more a situation of the perspective is we're going to start right away. We're going to figure out the financial end of it. As long as I know we're somewhat close, we might talk about estimates. I'm just going to start right away. As I get going, then I'm going to send you a contract. At that point, and this is what I tell everybody, make sure you get half up front. You tell them that. I get half up front um, of a flat fee, or this is what 
I uh, anticipate charging for this project based on an hourly rate. Also, I get half upfront for that. So you're either going to do a flat fee, hourly rate, make sure you're both in agreement. The trial close also enables you to price a little bit lower because you just want to get going. So you know what? Yep, let's figure it out. We can totally do this. Send me what you got. Um, I'm thinking about this. What are you thinking? Great. All right. What if we did this amount? Perfect. We're going to get going. The point is for each party to receive what they need. So you're going to be getting paid, which then you go, oh, okay, that's so much better. Okay, now I can focus. And your prospect, now your client, is going to feel like, okay, great. Well, I've handed this off to somebody and they're, and they're really good and I feel good about it and they're accountable. And so I now have less of a pain point. Um, a similar close that you can use, it's kind of a combination of the trial closes. Yes, get started right away. Get that negotiating done. Speak about the money confidently and know what you are going to be estimating and so what the range is that's acceptable to you so that you're not, you know, voraciously researching uh, rates of jobs and things of that nature while you're going back and forth with this person. Be a little bit self-informed of what potentially this job could cost them. So you can talk about it. Because the ramp close is that you know what the job is going to cost, but you are going to undercut that cost a little bit. So it's just a little outside of markets. You can say, you know what? You don't know me. And I've said this before. You don't know me. I don't know you. So as we're getting to know each other, Let's start with this rate. It's a little bit lower. We can renegotiate as we keep going. If you like what I'm doing, that's the whole point is that with the ramp close, it's up to you to prove and to get that client coming back and saying, you know what? I really enjoyed this. I like this. I didn't have to chase after you for results. You were really enthusiastic. So let's do it. So the pain point close, it's actually a part of the two other closes that we talked about, the trial and ramp close, but the pain point does exactly what we're talking about, which is focusing on the pain point. So in this instance, and, and really in any instance, any prospect is not that interested in hearing how great you are. What they are interested in hearing about is what you can do for them. So in the pain point close, that's the focus. What's your pain? Oh, your pain is this. You have a book to get written and you don't feel confident in your writing skills. Great. Can I solve that? Yes, I can. Okay, great. How do I do that? I'm going to focus on what you need and then knowing and having information about the market, then we're going to talk about a price that is reasonable for you. So when you talk about pricing, and I talked to somebody about this the other day, you're presenting non-emotionally what the cost is of doing work. Now think about any time you talk to a roofer or a plumber or something like that. They don't have this uh, relationship with themselves where they're struggling in how to discuss cost with you. You know, they're not saying, well, yeah, I got to replace that flange. Okay. But, oh, it's going to cost you, you know, 75 bucks. And oh boy, I, ooh, that's a tough one. Yeah. I mean, I guess, you know, there's not confidence that's ingrained in a person talking about the cost of a job that way. And that is damaging because what that does is it enables people to pick up on the fact that you don't value your own services and what you're about to provide for them. The pain point close is, hey, and I usually get a lot of people coming to me via Facebook. The pain point close is, hey, um, I have this situation. I have a book that needs to be written. Okay, great. Where are you on it? Well, I only have the idea. That's perfect. Can you help me out with it? Yes, I can. How do you help me out with it? Well, here is the service that I would recommend for you is we start with an outline package. It involves this amount of time. This is the cost of it. I talk about it 
very non-emotionally, again, just rudimentary, this is the cost of it, and I move right back into the pain point. So when you purchase that service, this is what you are getting. And this is what alleviates what you're trying to work on. This enables you to publish that book. This enables you to not have to worry about learning copywriting, for example, if we're talking about a gig job. So those are the three closes that I want you to think about today. I have used each and every single one of those to get money in the door that day. Make sure you have a system set up where you can make it very easy for people to pay you. Um, I learned this early on as well. It's not enough just to have a PayPal. Some people need to uh, wire you money, so you're going to need to set that up. Some people don't like to pay fees. Well, nobody likes to pay fees. They might want to Venmo you money, so you need to set that up. Some people want a uh, more secure credit card processing site. So you need to make sure that you have all of these things enabled. So if they come back to you and say, hey, I can't pay you this way, but I can pay you this way, you can go, great. I can intercept that for you. I can help you. I can make that super easy for you. Let me send you a contract electronically so that you're not putting any obstacles in the way for them. You're making it super easy. You can sign this contract with two clicks on your email, on your phone. You can be out in the field doing your thing, whatever it is. If you're, you know, a solar guy and you're out in the field doing your thing, you can pick up your phone. I'll ping. Here's a contract coming in. I can hit it with two clicks on my phone. Great. Here's the link for the payment. I can go ahead and take care of that. Here's the scheduling link. Perfect. I can schedule so that it meets my needs. So make it super easy for people. And that's just a little side road that we went down. The third tip that I want to share with you is bartering. And there is a saying that I say frequently, uh, do you have more time or money resources? And in the beginning, you're going to have more time resources as you're building your business up. Later, you're going to have more money resources. And that's when you get to do things like, mm, I don't really want to do that job. I'm going to find somebody else to do it. Now, in the beginning, you do need some platforms built out for you. For example, I needed to have a website built. And I knew that I could do a marginal job of it. But that wasn't enough for me. I didn't want to do a marginal job of it. I didn't want to put something up that was just going to be completely and wholly unimpressive so that clients would not feel secure. At the end of the day, we have to remember what we're asking clients to do. We're asking them to trust us. We're asking them to say, through every media vehicle I've shown you, my website, my social media, how I conduct myself on social media, my email, every single touch point that you can use with a client is engendering trust. So you want to make sure that you spend a little bit of time polishing up your brand. I did barter in the beginning. I had somebody build my website for me because the, what I came up with, which I went to GoDaddy and they said, you know, use this theme and whatever and it should be pretty easy. But there are specific skills that are needed to build a compelling website. The other thing is take a look at what's trending. What are people using? What, what are people seeing as a viable piece of media? So you will see what I refer to as like kind of grid type websites at this point. Um, and they kind of chunk out the information, have large icons that are very uh, explanatory. Their infographics are compelling. They're iconic they don't have a lot of detail to them. They can be recreated. The, the logo generally or infographic can be recreated with just several swipes of a, a black pen. You want it to translate well into uh, various other media. So it's important that you take the time to build up your media presences, the touch points that your client is going to receive so that they're professional. 
And it doesn't matter what that is. Uh, it could be your website. It could be a funnel. It could be a blog page, your logos, etc. Identify your strengths and what you like to do. Those are your two key questions to ask yourself in this regard. What do I like to do? What are my strengths? Okay. I like to fiddle faddle around with logos sometimes, but the concepting part is super fun. I tend to lose a little bit of the perspective at the end, so I might need to pull in a graphic designer. When I identify my strengths and I identify also what I need to work on, I'm not beating myself up. I'm just simply trying to affect an outsider's perspective and say, okay, look, she does a great job of this. She needs help with this. I have an accountant because I don't want to mess up my taxes, okay? I did that for a couple of years and that was not fun. Um, I have a graphic designer, so if I need to have something added to my website, then they can do it. It's not going to affect the layout. My layouts tend to look a little bit muddy, okay? Uh, if I take on a client job, for example, I know the pieces that I am going to be working on, but I will outsource to people who are experts in their fields so that we can give the client the best value and the best results. So take a look at if you have more time or money resources, if you need to barter to get something done, what do you like doing? And what can you outsource? The fourth point is networking. A lot of people think that networking is kind of one and done. It's, um, you know, periodically jump into a group or, you know, maybe try and deepen your connections on LinkedIn, but then just kind of bubble along on the top and don't really do anything. Don't really do much. Just stay on the surface. Networking is part of your job every day as a business owner. Networking is also like a cover letter. When I first got started, um, it was a couple of years in, and I was working with this super shady PR firm. <laughs> of course, I wasn't like, hey, super shady PR firm, let me work for you. I started working with them and started hearing their messages, and they were just really off. The idea was to just align yourself with the big players, but not care anything about who they were, their interests, and to just kind of, you know, take a, a, it's kind of like dating. What I would imagine dating is like, and what I hear people talk about dating is like, you know, on the third date, you're supposed to take that jump or whatever, you guys are going to sleep together. But prior to that, you know, you're going to kind of, dance around each other, find out some things, and the ultimate goal is sleeping together. Well, that's not successful networking. Successful networking is giving a shit. I mean, there's really no other way to put it. I'm connected with some people who are very influential in the media world and some of these larger media sites and magazines, even the physical magazines, and I haven't done much, but interact with them on a personal level in terms of, wow, that's a really cool horse that, you're, that you rode that day. You know, do you have a lot of those? That type of thing. And I'm not asking. I'm not asking and saying, hey, I need something from you. I could ask them, you know, and maybe one day that conversation will go there naturally. But I also believe a part of networking is being smart about who you're networking with. They have to make sense for you. They have to make sense for your goals. But you have to do it every day. And you're not doing it with the aim to slam dunk, connecting with you know Bill Gates and then having him blow you up everywhere. You're connecting with people because you care about them. You think they add value to your world. You don't have dollar signs in your eyes when you connect with them. Not everybody that you connect with is going to be somebody that you work with either. But this is what you need to affect when you're networking with people is what value can you give them? And if it's right, the time will come when you two will work together or 
an opportunity will be presented that you can capitalize on or they can capitalize on because it goes both ways. But make sure that you're including networking in your daily business, whether that's just reaching out to people on LinkedIn, adding people to your network that way, if it's interacting with people in groups, you're growing your personal circle. And when that happens and you start kind of spider webbing in that circle and it pays off, it starts to pay off in a business way, it starts to pay off financially. But that can't be the first goal that you're thinking about. At this point in time, I have multiple resources for people that I'm working with, several publishers, um, several coaches, and I do the best to make sure that myself and the business serves them in every way possible. But that all came about as a result of networking. And you're networking to make sure that you have multiple options. You never want to attach yourself too closely to one person. You want to make sure that you have multiple options. When you do that, this is when the referrals start coming in because they're coming in from different places. The fifth point is, I feel like I talk about this one a lot with people. People will call me and say, you know, I'm interested in your services and I, and I really want to become a blogger that's garnering a lot of attention. I want a lot of engagement. I want a lot of visibility. And they don't like what I have to say. And we're talking about blogging in this aspect, but really the same is true in any area of your business where you're trying to gain traction. And that says you just have to pay your dues and cut your teeth. Years and years of blogging. You know, I started blogging uh, back in September of 2014. Then I became, when I was writing for the Good Men Project, and I became an editor in 2015. So I've been writing for five years, and since then, I've wrote for multitudes of medias. I've had people come to me and say, don't just throw yourself out there. Don't just give your content away. And let me tell you what, you have to weigh how you're being paid. Are you being paid in visibility? You're landing on a platform that you can later leverage to further grow your own platform. Yeah, I think that's a good gamble to take. Are you being paid monetarily? Well, then that's up to you. Is it worth it for you and what you're going to get out of it? But the point is that you got to cut your teeth and pay your dues. I edited for free at GMP for years. I did other editing for other people for years. I, I still write for the mighty and I don't get paid for that. And you know what? I don't care because that is like it's, um, it feels really good in my soul. Okay. So when you're doing this, some people like to stomp their feet and say, yeah, we got to get paid. We got to get paid. First of all, these larger media sites are never going to pay you because the trade-off is going to be their visibility. The mighty with a 50 million circulation, yeah, you don't need to pay me. I'm happy to write for you because you're putting me out to a huge audience. So you want to weigh some of those things, but don't examine your results after a week, after two weeks, after a month, if it's writing, if it's you're doing Facebook ads, for example, we want to keep a little bit of a pulse on that, maybe take a look and see how things are going after a week or two weeks. But the point is that you want to look at the aggregate. You're going to keep doing it over and over and over again. And this is how you build that genuine engagement. These are not the followers that you buy that are never going to result in anything but blowing up your presence. If somebody were to dig a little deeper, they could find even just one layer down that there's really not much but fluff to those followers. They don't do anything for you. A lot of times they're robo-generated and so you're not even going to get a human being on the other end and it, and it doesn't matter. This is not where you want your energy to go. You want your energy to go into doing what is best for your company. So moving on to number six, 
You don't need all kinds of media resources. Right at your fingertips right now is social media. You can use social media as a website first. And I think, yes, you need a Facebook page. I am not going to encourage you to send everybody to your Facebook page. Building up a Facebook page is quite challenging, especially from ground zero up. Use your personal Facebook page. Post on there frequently. Do a little bit of research about the best time to post and what you should post about during those times. As long as you have a place where you can send people, where you have a digital portfolio of sorts, then that's the main thing. So when you get started, you're going to need to get your financial, uh, corporate, tax, housekeeping house in order. You need to do that. You'll need a site where you can send people so they can see your work. You can use Facebook for that. That's Facebook. Uh, the Facebook page actually makes a fantastic portfolio. So you can load things up there and just use it more as like a, a less active, dynamic place to send people. You need an email. So start with the basic fundamentals of your company. You need a way to get paid. If you need contracts, then you, you need contracts. Do you need a scheduling link? Yes. But you don't need to go in for fancy marketing. What you need to focus on right now is how am I going to make money? How am I going to make money right now in the anti-hustle? That's the focus. The focus isn't, well, gosh, I can't keep up with so-and-so who's at the gym at 5 a.m. and then they're doing this and, you know, and whatever the case is. We are a part of the anti-hustle. We are a part of the anti-grind. And it's okay to be a part of that. And you can still be profitable as a part of that. And as a bonus, you get to work in your bathroom or your pajamas. As a bonus, you get to choose times to rest. So fall into that. Don't fall into the hype that if you're not as slick as somebody else or doing what other people appear to be doing, because don't forget people tell you what they want you to know. No, they tell you, you know, I have the best relationship and we're so close and, you know, and we have tons of money and these are all my cars and this is all my, and I'm getting a jet and they want you to know that. Absolutely want you to know that, but you don't know that person. And so don't compare yourself to them. Do what you need to do to get the deals on the door to get paid to alleviate some of your stress. That's what's important in the anti-hustle. So I didn't focus on any marketing that wouldn't pay off and it didn't have the money anyways. The best resource for marketing is to do a good job and referrals will come to you. 70% of my business comes from repeat clients or referrals. Number seven, become the expert in groups. I was in a multitude of groups. I was in copywriting group. I was in coaching groups. I was in entrepreneurial groups, mastermind groups, all kinds of groups, publishing groups. Becoming a resource is really important. You can establish yourself as a resource. So you know who your ideal client is. All right, my ideal client is an entrepreneur who is willing and able to pay their bills. I've done a little deeper digging this year. I want people to be providing a value to the world and not just be full of baloney. There's a lot of pop-up firms, marketing firms, publishing houses, all of these things. I want to dig a little deeper. For me personally, helping people tell a story that's compelling and that is helping to change the world or helping to remove a stigma is really important for me. So you can find those people, identify your ideal customer to become the expert in groups. And notice that I say groups plural. So it's important that, again, you don't put all your eggs in one basket. That way if something doesn't work out, you're not going to panic. You say, oh, great. Well, I have this over here too. And that's, that's fine. 
nurture and cultivate these connections, nurture and cultivate inside the groups with the focus on providing value. If you provide the value, the finances will follow, period. Number eight, you can copy the experts. How are they doing their marketing? How are they talking to their audiences? What's not working for them? If you follow people on social media, you can see when they launch a product or service and there's just maybe a couple of crickets hopping around, there's not much interaction, then don't do that. What's not working for you? You know, this is a balance between honesty with yourself and not self-flagellating yourself either. We all are going to make mistakes. The first time that we set out to do something, we're actually going to suck at it. If you don't believe me, listen to the first episode of this podcast. I listened to that and it is so incredibly painful, <laughs> which reminds me, I need to get Adam Johnson back in here because I don't think we did it justice but I thank him for being my guinea pig. So it didn't stop me is the point. You know, you'll keep going, but pay attention to what's working, what's not working. If you see somebody on LinkedIn, maybe we'll take Gary Vee for an example, look at their marketing. Why is it working? What brand voice is he using? And this is an old marketing and advertising Shtick, the brand voice, the personal voice overlap, the fact that people don't want to do business with a business. They want to know the people behind them. They want to see the fallible people behind them, the very human people that fall on their faces and they laugh about it. And they normalize how long it takes to learn something. It's a combination of sharing what it really is like to be you and your brand and validating that if other people are going through that, it's okay. You're becoming a resource and a source of validation at the same time. So take a look at what's working and what's not working. One thing that I like to do is because I do have some of these retainer clients where we're doing their marketing as I look at what's working for them and what's not working for them. Why is something working for them? In one case, I think because the star of the show, a dog, 1UP Max, is just incorrigibly irresistible. Are you irresistible? Am I irresistible? One of the reasons that we get followers is because we care about them. We share with them. So take a look at that. Take a look at what the experts are doing. Do what's working. And there's an old formula. And I'm just going to, I can't remember the official terminology behind it, but essentially it's implement. And then you're going to assess how the implementation is going. So you're going to look at some data and say, okay, well, this is working. This is not working. Then you're going to tweak it. So you're going to tweak whatever you're doing, your ad campaign, whatever it is. Maybe you're tweaking the audience. You're going to re-implement it. And then you keep doing that. Implement, test, tweak, tweak re-implement. Implement, test, tweak, re-implement. On to number nine, new business model. How can you do it better? How can you stand out? There's a lot of chitter-chatter. There's a lot of clutter out there that you are responsible for cutting through. So I don't have a publishing house. I have an editing house. This is a new business model. The editing house enables me to cut costs. So in this, <clears throat> in this realm of people who are getting overcharged for having their books created, this was a solution. What is your solution? What do you know that other people don't? Do you have specialized knowledge? Maybe you think, well, I don't have specialized knowledge, but you know what? I really do know my way around Google Analytics. Well, that's specialized knowledge. Maybe you think, well, I don't have specialized knowledge, but I know how to format the hell out of a book. That's specialized knowledge. What do you know? Let's put it this way. What do you know that the 
average business person does not know. And then you think about and craft that ideal client avatar and go after them. Because you know, oh, I know ideal business client. You want this service or this product. This is how I can help you by offering that specialized knowledge. So just kind of go back into your repertoire and see what you've picked up over the years. It's interesting because we do pick up knowledge over the years, and a lot of times we discount it or we discredit it. So it really makes sense to carve out some time for yourself and just go back in time. Take a trip down memory lane and see what you've learned across all your jobs and different experiences. Number 10, our final point is simplify. I tell this story about Trevor Crane. I think this was going on maybe three or four years ago when I first had my website up and running and I was coming from a place of, I do anything for anybody at any time. Well, Trevor looked at it and he said, I don't know what you do. He actually said, I don't know what the F you do. So we might have some tender ears listening. And I could have gotten offended, but actually I was really hungry for that knowledge. I wanted to know, what do you think? I want to honestly know. I don't have the perspective because I've been working on this thing for so long. But what do you think of my business? And he told me. And I think I caught probably I cut probably five services in that day. In that very day, I said, nope, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing graphic design. I'm going to outsource that. Anything that I didn't feel I excelled at was cut. And it was a great feeling because then my life was not overcomplicated. So you want to simplify your offerings. You don't want to have five tiered pricing with, you know, three options in each tier. You don't want to throw so much at a potential client that you confuse them as you confuse yourself. Who am I? What do I do? Well, I do everything. Okay, well, you can't possibly do everything exceptionally well. The exceptionally well with the exclamation point at the end of it is what is going to keep your doors open. So I'm going to run back down the list very quickly. So I wrote emails to 250 people. You can definitely do the same. The point is to reach out and not just depend on one making one contact. We talked about the closes, the trial and ramp close, and the pain point close. We talked about bartering and time versus money resources. What do you need to do? Networking every day was our next point. And we talked about just doing it over and over and over and over and over and over again. And never stopping. You never stop. You will beat the pack who fizzle out and burn on mile marker seven. If that's such a thing, I'm not a marathoner. Util utilizing, rather, the appropriate social media, or the appropriate, I should say, let me start that over. Utilizing what you need to do to start your business up and running. So what are the things that you need to check the box off? Okay, I need to select if I'm a corporation. I need to uh, make sure that I have a place to send people. I need my logo, et cetera. So, we talked about what you need to do first and what you don't need to do first when you get into business. We talked about becoming the expert in groups, plural. Copying the experts and making sure that you're taking note of what's not working. We discussed the new business model and how you can do things better, where your specialized knowledge is. And finally, we wrapped it up with simplifying everything. You're not going to do everything. You're going to do a handful of things well. When you do this, you just really clean up your concentration into areas that are going to better pay off for you. I hope these hints, tips, and tricks will help you make massive traction in your business, even today.
even getting money in the door today. Since I was a teenager, whenever there's been a problem, my first plan of attack was to make sure I could get by. And then I would launch into a strategy to get it going, to keep it going. So please also pass along this information and share it all over the place in terms of reaching people who may need to hear it. And speaking of traction, that's what's happening here with Sick Biz. We're growing our engagement as well with people and sponsors that matters. When we when this happens, we can do more. We can develop the business coaching course that is now available. Yes, you heard me right. Now available business coaching. Real stuff. Really affordable. If you want more info on that, head on over to the Facebook group rather and check out posting to join the course. We're offering eight modules that are very similar to what we talked about today. Go much more in depth, obviously, and I get to assign you homework, so that makes me happy. All for 500 bucks. Tactics brought me back from ground zero, as in zero literal dollars in my bank account. Now we're in a new house pursuing new treatments for my conditions and getting better. I'm driving again. It's not that money is the answer, but it alleviates stress. Oh, show. It gives you more options for healing. That changes your life. When you have more options, you're not so desperate. When we work and move and decide from a place of desperation, a lot of times we're not playing the long game. We want to play the long game. That's the whole name of the game. So before I let you go, can I ask you for an insy baby favor? Head on over to iTunes and leave a review for Sick Biz Buzz. And as you know, because I never stop talking about it, reviews are the lifeblood of podcasters, especially podcasters that could. I'm trying to make the association with that old saying about the little engine. So please do that. We're also available on Stitcher, and I wish Robert was on here <laughs> with me right now so that I could list out the other places that were available. But wherever podcasts are available, you'll find us. Please leave a review so that we can continue to grow, spread the message and the mission, and help more people. That's it for this week's episode of Sick Biz Buzz. Thanks so much for listening. Be well.